Hello, my name's Tamara Keith and I'm a paediatric trainee in London and I'm going to talk to you about upper airways obstruction. The narrow lumen of the upper airway in children is very vulnerable to obstruction and so small reductions in diameter cause a large increase in airway resistance and upper airway obstruction can be life-threatening. This talk is based on Training in Paediatrics, the Essential Curriculum by the Oxford University Press and it is based on the chapter Upper Airway Obstruction. The outline of the talk is um, going to be first to cover acute stridor and the infective causes of that and angiogema and inhaled foreign body and then to talk about some causes of chronic stridor. The hallmark of upper airway obstruction is stridor and this can be acute or chronic. So to start with we're going to talk about acute stridor causes of which include infection, such as croup, bacterial tracheitis, epiglottitis, retropharyngeal abscess. Causes can also include angioedema, for example, that you'd get in anaphylaxis, or an inhaled foreign body. Examination in acute stridor is essential and includes a thorough history, possibly from the parent at this point, and examination. It's essential to understand the speed of onset and the character of the symptoms. Croup would be described as having a barking cough and comes on over days, whereas epiglottitis is characterised by a very sick, toxic child who may be drooling and comes on over hours. And an inhaled foreign body is obviously a very sudden, choking noise followed by the stridor. Severe obstruction is characterised by stridor at rest, which can be inspiratory or expiratory, or both. Shortness of breath, tracheal tug, subcostal recessions, tachycardia, pallor and hypoxemia. Croup is the commonest cause of upper airway obstruction in children. It commonly occurs between six months and six years. It is viral in nature and can be caused by parainfluenza, influenza, adenovirus or RSV. It is characterised by inflammation of the larynx, trachea and bronchi. It can be recurrent at night in atopic children and is then designated as spasmodic croup. The clinical features, um, it has a very characteristic barking cough normally 12 to 72 hours of cariva, fever and cough, with a hoarse voice and a harsh inspiratory stridor, associated with varying degrees of respiratory distress. If it occurs at less than four months, the clinician should suspect some sort of congenital airway abnormality. Croup is further subdivided into mild, moderate or severe. Mild croup will have an active child with stridor, with agitation, with minimal increased respiratory effort. Moderate croup is associated with stridor, retractions and decreased air entry. Severe croup has stridor at rest with expiratory stridor, tapicnia, retractions, agitation, pallor, hypoxia and exhaustion. Deterioration of airway obstruction is associated with a quieter stridor, exhaustion and hypoxia. Mild croup can be observed at home with the steamy bathroom technique, that is putting a child um, in a steamy environment which is supposed to help the inflammation of the airways. Moderate or severe croup will require some medical help. 
This is in the form of steroids, oral dexamethasone or nebulized budesonide. Um, steroids are found to improve the clinical parameters, decrease hospital stay and reduce the need for nebulized adrenaline. In more severe croup, nebulized adrenaline will be required. However, the clinician must note that duration of action is only 20 minutes to 3 hours and there can be a rebound effect afterwards associated with an acute deterioration after the apparent improvement. Adrenaline works by an alpha-mediated action causing vasoconstriction and decreased mucosal edema. Other therapies include, include humidified oxygen and intubation. Intubation would be needed in approximately 1-2% of hospitalised children with croup and is needed due to worsening obstruction or simply exhaustion. Epiglottitis is caused by Haemophilus influenza B infection and is rare since the Hib vaccine in 1992. It's associated with severe edema of the epiglot epiglottis which leads to supraglottic obstruction. It has the four main features of dysphagia, drooling, dysphonia and dyspnea. So dysphagia being difficult swallowing, drooling due to the painful epiglottis, dysphonia causing a soft muffled voice and dyspnea due to the supraglottic obstruction. There may sometimes be concern that croup or epiglottitis can be confused but this shouldn't really be the case. Epiglottitis is much more severe, you have a toxic child and it develops over hours. It is an emergency and the treatment should be immediately to protect the airway. So the anaesthetist should be called, ENT should be called and the child should be intubated before gaining IV access and giving intravenous antibiotics. This is because the process of giving intravenous um, therapy will disturb the child and can therefore further threaten the airway. Croup is characterised by this barking cough with a hoarse voice and develops over days. The therapy is steroids, nebulised adrenaline and oxygen and intubation only in very severe cases. Bacterial tracheitis is now more common than epiglottitis since the development of the Hib vaccine. The most common pathogen is Staphylococcus aureus. It's a sick, toxic child with a high fever, stridor, and the management would include intubation and IV antibiotics. Now we're going to go on to talk about the causes of chronic stridor. The causes include laryngomalacia, an external compression from vascular ring, vocal cord paralysis, which can be unilateral or bilateral, subglottic stenosis, congenital or acquired, laryngeal web, or hypercalcemia. Laryngomalacia is a congenital disorder associated with a tightly curled supraglottic larynx the upper larynx collapses inwards on inspiration, causing partial airway obstruction. It's more common in Down syndrome, and there's a higher incidence of gastroesophageal reflux. 
The clinical features of laryngomalacia include stridor at four to six weeks of age when the inspiratory flow rates become high enough to create sound. It's worse when the child is lying down and during viral infections and agitation. However, the cry is normal and the noise is purely inspiratory. It's a benign condition with 99% spontaneously resolving by the second year of life. Treatment includes anti-reflux medication, oxygen if saturations are less than 90% and surgery for severe cases where there's failure to thrive or severe apnea. External compression from vascular ring can occur and this is due to congenital anomalies of the aortic arch and great vessels. 90% of cases are due to double aortic arch or right aortic arch with left ligamentum arteriosum and clinical features arise from compression of the airway and esophagus. The chest x-ray may show a right aortic arch which should raise suspicion of the vascular ring. Diagnosis is on barium, is on barium esophagram and treatment is surgical. Now we're going to talk about subglottic stenosis. Subglottic region extends from below the true cords to the lower cricoid cartilage and is the narrowest part of the child's airway. It can be congenital or acquired and congenital subglottic stenosis is membranous or cartilaginous and acquired is normally a complication of tracheal intubation. Mild subglottic stenosis may only manifest during a viral upper respiratory tract infection which has lead to further narrowing and severe stenosis would be associated with a biphasic stridor and dyspnea. Radiographs and bronchoscopy confirm the diagnosis and in severe cases intubation and surgery may be required. In summary Acute stridor is caused by infection, which may be crute, epiglottitis or bacterial tracheitis. It can be caused by angioedema or an inhaled foreign body. Chronic stridor can be caused by laryngomalacia, a vascular ring or subglottic stenosis. That comes to the end of my talk. And um, this talk was based on the upper airway obstruction chapter of training in paediatrics, the essential curriculum by the Oxford University Press. Thank you very much.